You are isolated, cut off from the world. It's part of the job. When you work at a research outpost in the middle of nowhere, with nothing but wilderness and nipping cold for company, what kind of things would you see out there? Well, author Decktrick has allowed me to share their story from Reddit No Sleep, a story of the bizarre and haunting things people see at the Canadian research outpost they work at. This story is about the dog. Enjoy this haunting tale and check the link in the description to read the original post on Reddit. Oh, and leave a like if you want more stories like this. Now, it's about to get cold. I had a job as a researcher in an outpost in the Canadian wilderness that I have recently left. Don't get excited. I didn't leave because I was haunted by a demon. I left because I felt it was time for me to move on to something new. The job wasn't all that glamorous, but it was a lot of fun. I grew very close with the four other researchers who worked there, and I've always loved the wilderness, so I was a perfect fit for the assignment. When I arrived at the outpost, three of my four team members had already been working there for time periods spanning from two months to a year and a half. Their names were Miles, Janet, and Kyle, and I instantly got along with all of them. Our fifth member was assigned a month after me, and her name was Sarah. We ate, worked, and lived together, so it was pretty difficult for us to not get close. Now, onto the scary stuff. Our base had a reputation of having unexplainable things happen in the surrounding woods. I found out about it a few weeks into my assignment as my team stayed up talking one night and Miles brought it up while telling a story. Past researchers who have spent time in our base have reported unexplainable sightings while they were on hikes through the woods that have given our outpost a reputation it's said that anyone who works here will have at least one strange experience before they leave. The moment I heard this, I became enthralled with the idea due to my love of the otherworldly. During our time there, all five of us have experienced one strange event and I want to share our stories with you. I would have shared these sooner, but I was worried that my employers would find out so I waited until these stories were redacted from the outpost's records. Most write them off as pranks played by the researchers to keep our outpost's reputation alive, but I believe that each one is real. I've asked each of them to write out their story so I could compile them after editing. Looking at you, Miles, I've never seen so many spelling mistakes in my life. I'll post one a day and feel free to read them in whatever order you like. They could all stand alone. Sarah's story. This story is a good introduction to what our team witnessed because it is the most docile story of the bunch, but it is still strange and outlandish. It happened about three months into Sarah's assignment. 
I was admittedly angry because she had witnessed something unexplainable before me, even though I had been at the outpost longer than her. This is from Sarah's perspective. I was out on a hike with Miles and Janet after a particularly bad snowstorm had taken place the night before. Our job was to visit the mini equipment stations set up throughout the woods and make sure the storm hadn't damaged any of the technology. The clouds had disappeared after the storm, leaving us with a sunny day and a good mood. Miles told us a funny college story, and Janet and I laughed as we walked through the peaceful woods, listening to birds who had flown back from their southern vacation a little too early. It was a great day and it certainly didn't feel like anything unusual was going to happen. We arrived at the first station to find that some of the equipment had to be reset, but soon were on our way. By the time we arrived at the second station, almost an hour had passed, and we all became aware at how inefficient it was for us to go to each station together. It was protocol to stick together on days after snowstorms due to the possible changes in terrain and the increased possibility of someone getting hurt. But the moment Miles suggested that we split up, Janet didn't spare a second to agree. We divided the remaining stations amongst ourselves and set off in different directions. I had chosen the stations that were the easiest to get to because I was admittedly a little afraid of getting hurt and left in the woods alone. They were closer than the others, but still a hike away, and I was able to spend some time alone in the beauty of the forest. The sun shone down through the thin pine trees along the trail, and I couldn't help but smile at the whole scene. I was in a good mood, so I began to whistle a made-up song, which most who know me will tell you is a common and annoying thing I do. As I was nearing my first station, I suddenly heard a loud whistle from far off the right side of the path. It was more defined than the bird song I had heard with Janet and Miles, but it lasted for only a moment and sounded very far off. I wasn't sure what it was, so I walked a little quicker and hoped that it came from a bird species I wasn't familiar with. I reached the first station shortly after to find that everything was working fine and proceeded to make the journey to the next one. I reached the second station in about half an hour to find its barometer had fallen in the snow during the storm. I reattached it to its mount and then left. It was on my way to the third and last station I was assigned that it happened. The station was the furthest I had taken, and it was located near the border of the outpost's territory. It was a 45-minute hike, and I heard it about a half hour in. It was the whistle I had heard from earlier. It came from the right side of the path, and it was louder, signaling that the source of the noise was closer. I froze when I heard it but then decided that I would continue down the path at a faster pace like before. I took about four steps before I heard another tone from the same place. I proceeded forward again, but slower this time, 
walking until I had moved about 20 feet from where I'd heard the first noise when I heard the tone again. Suddenly, I started to hear a bunch of different whistle noises coming from the same area, off from the right of the path. They would overlap and change volume and pitch, but I could tell they were coming closer. I was about to run towards the next station, not because I was afraid, but because it was the only instinct I felt at the time. What was happening didn't make sense, but I didn't feel like I was in danger. As I was about to leave, the random tone suddenly stopped and turned into a melody. The sound became pleasing, and I could pick out a few chords as I listened. The sound kept approaching, but there was something about the song that was familiar and calming. When the sound seemed to be only a couple dozen feet away from the trail, I realized that it was the song I had made up while I was whistling. Whatever was making the sound was behind a few pine trees beside the path, about 15 feet behind me. It paused for a moment, then pushed through the branches and came into the center of the path to sit and look at me. I could not comprehend what it was. My mind told me that it didn't belong in this world and that it couldn't be here, but I could clearly see it. It had the body of a hairless pit bull, but its head looked like it had been replaced with some sort of bee's nest. It walked on all fours and sat in the path like a dog, but its body was wrinkled and fleshy. Its head looked like it was made of paper mache and formed a couple dozen hexagon openings where its face should be. The holes were deep and formed long hexagon-shaped tubes that stretched to the back of its beehive head. It had no face, but it sat patiently and faced me. I was frozen, looking at it, and a few seconds later, it began whistling my song again. The tones seemed to come from the holes in its face. It sat there for a few seconds, whistling, and I stood motionless. Again, I didn't feel in danger, but I did feel uneasy, as if this shouldn't be possible. I don't know why I did it, but I decided to whistle back. I started to whistle a new song, and the moment I did, the thing cocked its head like a confused dog and stopped making any noise. This startled me, so I stopped whistling again, and we both remained motionless, facing one another in silence. The thing's head returned upright, and then it began to whistle the song I was trying to make only a few seconds ago. It then stood up and trotted off into the woods on the left side of the path. I was shaken, but it was gone. I wondered if I should follow it, but something told me that I should let it be. With nothing else to do, I continued on my way to find that the third station was completely fine.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.